follow the crowd. Here we go. Please take your Bibles and open them up to Psalm 21. If you don't know the uh, protocol, if we just finished um, going through the book of Revelation, and we, we like to preach straight through books and um, get the whole context of that book. The next book that we are going to go through is um, beginning after Easter, which is coming up very soon, is the book of James. And we're looking forward to going through that book with you as well. But uh, as we are in the intermediate state, so to speak, of um, between books here, um, we um, our practice is to go through the Psalms. And uh, so we're now on Psalm 21. Started with number one several years back. And so um, we're on Psalm 21 at the present time. So that's why we're... That's why this, you have a psalm rather than the book of Revelation. We're not going to go back through Revelation again. But that was quite the experience, wasn't it? And um, as Grant and I were talking about, it's amazing how, how much, um, you know, Revelation is all about the Old Testament. And as we go through this today, you'll see a lot of um, similarities with Psalm 21 uh, and, um, and the book of Revelation there at the very end especially. But let's hear God's word. Um, this is a psalm of David. And let's read God's word together. And I would remind you that um, when you have L-O-R-D in the Old Testament, where it's all caps, that is the covenant name of God, Yahweh or Jehovah, um, as it uh, has been rendered as well. So, O Yahweh, or O Lord, in your strength the king rejoices, and in your salvation how greatly he exalts. You have given him his heart's desire, and have not withheld the request of his lips. For you meet him with rich blessings. You set a crown of fine gold upon his head. He asked life of you, and you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you bestow on him. For you make him most blessed forever. And make him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord. And because of the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. Your hand will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. You will make them as a blazing oven when you appear. Yahweh will swallow them up in his wrath and fire will consume them. You will destroy their descendants from the earth and their offspring from among the children of man. Though they plan evil against you, though they devise mischief, they will not succeed. For you will put them to flight. You will aim at their faces with your bows. Be exalted, O Lord, O Yahweh, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. This is God's word, the grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God shall endure forever and ever. For $17,000, you can get a master's degree in happiness studies. 
Just read that this week. Did you read that? Right. I'm too old to go back to school, right? Uh, yeah, we make fun of this, um, but, you know, uh, in this world of hostility and uncertainty, that's the world we live in, uh, everybody craves peace and joy and happiness. It's something we were built for, and we find that the Lord made us to have joy and peace in Himself. Um, we also we all crave that. If you're a human being, you crave peace and joy. And and I don't know the the, the specifics of this um, um, degrees curriculum, um, but I do know this: if if you are a Christian, you have the curriculum uh, for peace and joy in you, inside of you. Um, you have the Lord inside of you. The Lord dwells in the hearts of His people. Um, the curriculum for peace and joy is is the Lord Himself, the one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you know the Lord, if you are a Christian, um, then you experience God's peace and joy. And I qualify that by saying, you know, Paul says we are sorrowful yet always rejoicing. So you're in attention. That's that's the you know, my favorite illustration as a pastor is to do this. You're pulled always. It's attention, right? Am I am I a Christian? Yes. Do am I a sinner? Yes. <laughs> Whoa! I thought you said you were a Christian. Well, Christians at the present time are all sinners, um, and one day that will be. It will be like this, right? I will just be, uh, I will be unable to sin. I will have a glorified body like you and I will live forever with Jesus uh, in the new heavens and the new earth. And all that tension will be gone. But right now, you are in attention and I'm in attention. But the truth is for the Christian is that you can experience the, the joy and peace of the Lord in the midst of suffering. That's the weirdest part about Christianity, but we all know it to be true. But and to cultivate that peace and joy, especially with all that's going around and swirling around just in our lives personally as a church and in the world as it's always been and the world at large, you have to to cultivate the joy and peace of Christ. You have to um, make two things part of your life. And this psalm um, tells us about both of these things. There are two things that this psalm teaches us about that awaken and renew God's peace and joy in our lives. And David, the writer of this, of this psalm, shows us how that happens. And so the question is, this morning, what are those two things that David does in this psalm that renews his peace and joy in the Lord? What, what does he do? How does he cultivate the peace and joy of the Most High God? Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are the God of peace, that you... Your strength is, is all we need uh, in our lives. That you are our helper. And that you don't just help from afar. You live in us and you, you love us well because you are our Father. And we thank you that you have sent your Son and the Holy Spirit to teach us the gospel that we can know your peace and joy. And I pray that, Lord, that as we reflect on this, on your word, that you would uh, move in us and that you would... Uh, renew and ignite um, a trust in you um, that we have not experienced um, in a while, if that's where we are. 
or just enhance that joy even more, especially in the midst of, of the strugglings and the sufferings that all the things that Grant just prayed about. Lord, we need your strength, and we need your peace, and we need your joy. We pray this in your name. Amen. So, what are the two things that David uh, does that renews his peace and joy in God? Well, the first thing you, you have to have for peace and joy in your life uh, in the present time is, these, uh, is found in verses 1 to 6 in this psalm. What do you have to do? You have to look back. You've got to look back to the past. You have to look back. You know, David remembered specifically where God had answered his prayers and the prayers of his people. David remembers when, when God gave him relief in a very tangible and a very concrete way. And the reason we know that is because Psalm 21 is directly, it comes right after Psalm 20, right? They, they are connected. A lot of the Psalms are. And there you see that the king... Um, king David is about to go into a big battle. And so what do people do for their king when, they, when he goes off to, to war? They pray for his safety. They pray for him to win the fight. And now because God has answered their prayers and the king's prayer, because the king has won the battle, now they all, including King David, they all praise God for that specific answer to prayer. Look at verses 1 and 2. Oh, Yahweh, in your strength, the king rejoices. In your strength, God has, God has won the battle. And in your salvation, how greatly he exalts. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request from his lips. And so this, this psalm is a prayer of thanksgiving. The, the king prayed, the people prayed, and Yahweh answered. And so they are filled with gratitude. And, and, and that emotion of gratitude just swells up and explodes through the next few verses of this psalm. Look what the writer says in verse 3. The Lord, Yahweh, gives the king rich blessings. And then he lists out the blessings. He has a gold crown for his head. He's the king, right? Verse 5 talks about the glory and splendor of victory. The most important Two very important things. Verse 4 says, he asked for life and the Lord gave it to him. In other words, God preserved David. He carried him through this battle safely. And verse 6 says, the king is most blessed forever because Yahweh had given David the joy of his own presence. Even in the battlefield. It's like Grant was saying before he prayed, God is with us. It's not, that we don't, it's not that we don't have any fire. It's not that we don't have any water. But God is with us in the midst of those hard things in our lives. And David was Israel's greatest king. Uh, and the hearts of the, is one song that Andrew Peterson, uh, that song, um, So Long Moses, one of my favorite songs to listen to. He says that compared to, to Saul, the hearts of the people were his. Isn't that a great, that's a great line. If you think about Jesus, your king, um, our hearts belong to Jesus. He's a, the true king. But David was a, was a, um, a shadow, of a type of the great king, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that. And when David was on the throne, God's people, they enjoyed stability and security. 
And that means that all of the blessings, all the gifts, all the goodness that David received from the Lord, that God poured out on David, those same gifts overflowed into the lives of God's people. That's the way it works. Good leadership is a blessing to those who are under your care and protection. In other words, everybody had what they longed for. And the people, God's people enjoyed life. In God's presence, the righteousness, joy, and peace of God's kingdom. You know, I use that phrase a lot. I hope it's one of those phrases that kind of is imprinted on your brain. What is the kingdom about? Paul says the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so if you are in the kingdom, if you believe in Christ as your king, as your savior, you're going to experience his righteousness in your life. That's his your status of being declared to be righteous. You're forgiven of your sins. And you're going uh, you're gonna to experience the peace of God that passes understanding. You're going to experience the, the joy, God's own joy. At the same time, you're going to be struggling, right? It's that tension. Don't just, just camp out over here and... Don't act like this is not real because it is real. We see it. We feel it. You're in that tension. But if you're a Christian, you're going to have that. You'll say the same thing Paul said. I am sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. That doesn't make sense, does it? (laughs) But it's true. We live in an upside-down kingdom that makes no sense right now many times. And under the, uh, David, the people, uh, they'd certainly enjoyed the righteousness, peace, and joy because this was the height of, of Israel's existence as a nation. You know, God was the king. God was with the king. And God was with the people. In other words, they were living out that covenant promise. What's the great covenant promise? I will be your God and you will be my people you know say that over and over into if you don't say any other verse in the bible learn that one and emphasize the pronouns what god says i will be your god and you will be my people what a great what a great promise and so in this psalm, the people of God are careful to remember. They look back down the road of the past and they, 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 they go to great pains. David goes to great pains to remember a particular deliverance that God gave them uh, that brought them the righteousness, peace, and joy of God's kingdom into their lives. That's what's going on here. So here's the immediate application for all of us, for you and me. The question... Do you take the time, do do I take the time, do we reflect on those specific times in our lives when we ask God to do something very specific and he answered that prayer, those prayers, in a very specific way? When's the last time you've done that? I've been doing it this week. But I've not been doing it very much. 
Kind of like the folks in Sunday school. That was like trying to start a lawnmower in there, trying to get y'all to talk about the things that God had done. And eventually, people started remembering, right? It takes work to go back, right? But I kept pulling on that thing. Finally, it was, rum, 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 rum. you know, it was working, right? And people start, well, you know, when I was eight years old, blah, 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 blah. You know, it, it worked, right? Right? But I've done it. Oh. I'm embarrassed to tell you I don't do it very often, but I've done it more this week. Why? Because I'm a pastor. I'm reading the Bible. And I'm not going to ask you to do something I'm not going to do, right? So I've had to go through that laborious remembering, right? That became pretty sweet, actually, the more I did it, right? You know, when it comes to thanking God, uh, all of us can, can quickly go into Christian speak. You know what Christian speak is? Thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. And there's there's nothing wrong with that, but we speak in such general terms, right? And we don't lay out the specifics that we need to. And the reason we don't is because it takes time to do that. It takes time to reflect on specifics, on how God has answered our prayers. We just don't have time to do that in our prayers. Lord, would you do this? Blah, blah, blah. We just throw those those prayers up all the time, but we rarely are specific in our thanksgiving. And it's the same problem we have when we confess our sins. Lord, forgive me for my many sins, right? Now, I want to just tell you, you know, it's, imp- it's impossible for you and me to name all of our sins. They've been forgiven, but <laughs> thank goodness we can't remember them all. But, but it's important to be honest with God about specific sins in your life, like pride that we all struggle with, and indifference, which we all struggle with, and, and just more and more and more. But it's even more, I would say, it's even more important for your spiritual health to be specific about the specific ways that God has answered your prayers. And again, this takes time, it takes reflection, it takes meditation, but specific thanksgiving is a vital part of any relationship. Any relationship. A friendship. Hey, thank you for breakfast. Thank you for, thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for calling. Specific answers to specific prayers and i'll say this again just i alluded to it when you do take the time to remember how god has answered specific prayers it can be a bit embarrassing it really can i was embarrassed the list is way longer than you think oh i can't really think of anything well if you sit there long enough you're gonna think your list is gonna fill up pretty quick just try it just try it and if your list is short and it doesn't you know, stretch out, um, it's probably because probably you just haven't asked God to do anything. And you know, Presbyterians are notorious for that. Because we believe in God's providence and sovereignty. Just like all Christians do, but we can articulate that so well. God's providence is His power for preserving and governing every creature and every action and stuff like that, right? It's true, I believe that. But does that mean I don't pray for specific things? Let me practice on you, okay? I just talked to. I'm gonna, let me let me let me do the modeling here for what you need to do. All right? And I've told you this story before. Oh, Rick says he's telling that same illustration. You know, I got to thinking about that. That's a good thing to use illustrations over and over again, Daniel. It really is. It, it's it's not just laziness. It's it's a um, it's it's remembering. 
And if God's bringing those, when you're writing that sermon, if God brings that same illustration back to you, it's okay to tell. And if you guys roll your eyes when I tell the same story, that's okay. Right? Because you need to hear it. I need to hear it, right? So I'm modeling uh, what you should do and what I should do more of. You you should go back and remember how God specifically answered your prayers. Uh, You should do that over and over and over and over again in your life. Uh, And, you know, we just had our 40th anniversary party. Thank you all so much for doing that. That was so much fun. It was so much fun. And we just, man, that was just a a great day for us. Uh, But here's a question. You know, I've been thinking about, you know, our anniversary and uh, all that stuff. But, you know, when I got to know Catherine, I was 20, about 22 and a half, then 23, 24, um, when we started um, really dating and so forth. But I want to ask you a question. Do you think I specifically prayed that Catherine would marry me? Duh, right? Come on. There's no hesitation. Yes. And her daddy would say, uh, as he told me several times, um, he said he would say, that's the second greatest prayer that God answered in my life. The second great specific prayer. Uh, the number one prayer went like this. Lord, will you forgive me for my sins? Because of Christ, because he died, will you count his death for mine? I, I should. He died the death I should have died. Will you forgive me? Which is goes right along with that second great prayer. Lord, I know you have to be righteous to be in your kingdom. I know you have to be perfect. I am not perfect. I'm a sinner. But your son lived the life I could not and cannot live. Would you count his life for me? Would you accept me because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not my own? I, when I heard the gospel clearly in college, when I was dating Catherine, on that Sunday night at Westminster Presbyterian Church of Valdosta, Georgia, I went home that evening and I just I prayed that prayer almost just like I told you. Because I understood I needed the righteousness of Christ to be accepted into the kingdom. I needed to be forgiven be accepted into the kingdom. And you know what? God answered those prayers specifically. And I know the righteousness and peace and joy of God's kingdom. I know the Lord by His grace. And I'm growing in my knowledge. I don't know Him as, as, as well as some of you know Him. But I am growing in my knowledge of the Lord. And, and you are too if you're a Christian. But here's the story I told you about before. This, this is the redundant one, okay? This is, a, this is a church-wide corporate prayer. You know, in 2007, we started a church planning network in our presbytery. You remember this, right? Yeah, I hope you can outline what the story is. And we prayed about a church plant uh, in Cahaba Park. Murray Lee was the church planter. And um, the church planting network uh, met at Mountain Brook High School. That's where they started that church plant. Um, and they wanted to have a prayer walk around that campus, right? And I'm a stuffy old Presbyterian. I'll pray, but, you know, prayer walk, come on. You know, what, do we have to walk around this building? What, what difference does that make, right? Um, I, I'm not really that overtly opposed to prayer walks, but that's just, you know, being honest about it. Well, guess what? We prayed. I walked and we prayed. And that church has thrived. They bought property. And I have baptized two of my grandchildren in that church you talk about 
God answering way beyond what you could specifically ask him. But we did specifically ask for that church plant. He answers above and beyond what you can ask or imagine. So here's the question. Where has God helped you in the past? Where has he showed up in specific ways? Where has he helped you this week? What specific prayers has he answered? Do you remember us praying as a church for the RUF at Jacksonville State? No, because you weren't here. But we prayed for RUF at Jacksonville State. And there's two Jacks, one former campus minister right back there. And there's another one right close in his proximity right there. Um, do you remember praying about the church plant in Jacksonville? And I remember praying that God would allow Grant Carroll to come work with me as an associate pastor. That was, that was a good prayer, wasn't it? And I have prayed that one day Grant Carroll would be the senior pastor of Faith Presbyterian Church. By God's grace. He has been leading us. He's been leading our session. On the personal note, in the 1980s, we prayed for children. You know our story, right? And now that it's 2022, we're praying that God would just hold off on the grandchildren. Right? Just hold off. Just a little while. God does way more than you could ever ask or imagine. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So look back on specific prayers, uh, specific answers to specific prayers in your life, and thank the Lord specifically for what He has done. And here's something, i got to say this before we move off of it. I've got to mention this about God's faithfulness. God is always faithful. When we are faithless, He is faithful. He always answers our prayers. He's a good father. He's approachable. But, you know, he's also extremely wise. And here's what I want you to hear. You, you also have to look back at God's answers, which were not what you asked or imagined. You have to do that, too. And we're all in a battle and all of us pray for deliverance. We pray for deliverance of all kinds of things and we should. But we also need to pray, Lord, your will, not my will be done. Because he knows what is best. And you pray this way. I've, I've learned to pray this way. Lord, even if you don't answer my prayers the way I want them answered, thank you for the wise reasons you have for not giving me what I want. What I thought were the true desires of my heart. Thank you that you promised to use these hard situations, all of them, for my good. Thank you, Lord. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Now I'm 65 next month. Hey, do I look, do I look different? I signed up for Medicare. Right? Grant said, here's your cane, man. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I've known the Lord for a while, but I'm still impatient. I still get bent out of shape when things don't go my way, when I don't get what I want. But you know what? I'm learning to pray. I really am. And it takes time. I'm learning to say, Lord, because of your covenant faithfulness, I trust you. I trust you. Give me grace to trust you more. That's the first thing that we have to do to develop the peace and joy of the Lord in our lives. That's to cultivate that. We need to be thankful specifically for specific requests. 
takes time. We all need to do more of that. But let's look at the second thing that's necessary to have joy and peace in the present. You know, David isn't just thankful for specific things God's done in the past. He also thanks God for a certain, stable, durable, permanent, never-ending future for God's people. Ralph Davis, one of our teachers, puts it this way. He says, the king will enjoy an indestructible stability. Look at verse 7. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. Now, most of the translations um, say, through the faithful love of the Most High. But the preposition, um, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, Ralph Davis is, he can tell you this. Um, it's, it's just, I'm channeling him today. Um, but the, the prepos- preposition is forceful and it's direct, and it probably should be this. Because of the faithful love of the Most High, he will never be shaken. Because of the faithful love of the Most High. And so what guarantees King David and the people of God this indestructible and stable future? What's what's the guarantee? It's God's steadfast love. It says it right there. And steadfast love, I bet you're guessing what I'm going to say, is a translation, translation of the word kesed that's used 245 times in the Old Testament. Kesed is the word that is at the heart of the covenant of God's faithfulness to his people. And and David is alluding to that great covenant that God made with him, Yahweh made with him in 2 Samuel, where God promised him that one, listen to this, one of his descendants would be on, would have an ongoing dynasty, an eternal dynasty, an eternal throne. You know, one of David's descendants would rule the world forever. That's an incredible promise. God's king will rule the nations. And we know from Judah's history that some of David's descendants, the Davidic kings, some of them were terrible leaders, right? We know that story. Some were rascals and scoundrels. And and Yahweh knew that would be the case. And for that reason, he says this to David. He says, my kessid, my covenant faithfulness, I will never take away from him as I took away from Saul. Who is him? That's bad grammar. Who is he? The him, the he, is David's seed. It's his descendant. And so in spite of all the sins of Israel's kings, we know that God's faithfulness, his kesed, his, his covenant faithfulness, his faithful love, never faded and it never failed, even in the midst of their own struggles and their sin and all the stuff they went through as a nation. You know, it sure seemed like Yahweh's covenant faithfulness had bitten the dust uh, when the Babylonians came in and destroyed the temple and took the people off into slavery. But, but then what happened? There was this shoot that popped up from the stump of Jesse. David's dad. A virgin in Nazareth called Mary was with child. And an angel appeared to her and she heard this promise about her son through the angel that he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom of his kingdom there will be no end. And so Yahweh's kesed, his promises cannot and will never fail. And we know that great descendant of David, the son of Mary, the true Davidic king, 
the one who is ruling what we learn in Revelation again and again. He's with us. He's walking among the lampstand. He's with his church, but he's also ruling over all things. And one day he's coming again to set up his kingdom. That kingdom that will never be shaken. The Lord Jesus Christ is that king, son of David. He is God. He is God's faithfulness to his promises. Well, we just went through the book of Revelation, you know that. And in Revelation, over and over again, uh, we heard about the kingdom, but we saw over and over again that part of that setting up of the kingdom involves the defeat of all God's enemies. Do you remember that? We talked about that a lot. Not something we like to just dwell on, but it's, it's the truth. And that's what the last half of this psalm is about. Look at verse 8. Your hand will find out all of your enemies. Verse 9, you will make them as a blazing oven when you appear. The Lord will swallow them up with his wrath and fire will consume them. Ooh. Verse 10, you will destroy their descendants from the earth. Verse 12, you will put them to flight. Wow. Your God's kingdom will come. His people will enjoy safety and security. But for God's enemies, it's not going to go well in the end. And again, that's what we saw in the book of Revelation over and over and over again. And so in order to, to know God's peace and joy, we need to remember specific answers to specific prayers of the past. But we also need to look ahead. For God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to pray that he would come and destroy his enemies. And all the enemies of his church. And that, that doesn't sound like, well, it's not a prayer we should be praying, right? No. It's just a prayer that we should be praying. Do you, do you realize that, did you, I believe we all prayed the Lord's Prayer together. We do that as a church, right? Right? Do you realize that, that when you're praying the Lord's Prayer, that you, um, when you say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, what you're actually doing is asking God to destroy the work of the devil. And to destroy every force which revolts against God. And every conspiracy against His Word. You realize that's what you're praying? Okay. The victory of God's kingdom means this. It requires the defeat of all of God's enemies. And that's good news. Justice is coming in this world. And this world will be filled with the righteousness and peace and joy of the kingdom of God. And so, but what about what about what Jesus says? Pray for your enemies, right? How does that go with this psalm? You know, so many psalms have these these this tone of praying for the defeat of God's enemies. Is that's not a bad thing? But we should pray for our enemies, right? We all learn to do that throughout our lives. So we should pray for. Our enemies, but when our enemies are openly God's enemies, 
And sometimes that's not as clear as we would like for it to be. But when it's obvious that people are openly opposed to God, we should pray for their demise. We should pray for grace that God would, would work in their hearts and they would repent, repent of their sins. But we should also pray for their demise. How's that for the tension? Ralph Davis tells a story of this very um, thing. Uh, in, in 1964, there was a uh, the Belgian, uh, excuse me, the Simba Rebellion. This giving me this is giving me a whole different um, view of the Lion King. Um, it was called the Simba the Simban Rebellion in the Belgian Congo from 1963 to 65. And what happened was there were communist rebels there that um, were taking over the eastern part of that country. And these were brutal men. They they um, they butchered men and women and children. Some of that's going on today. It goes on all the time, right? Including missionaries and Christians in that country. And one day, um, some of these symbians, or symbians, however you want to say it, came and, uh, to a church in a village called Bunia. And in the middle of the service, one of the leaders got up and um, one of the symbians got up and started berating the pastor. We don't, we don't know anything about stuff like that. We should be so thankful. He was trying to humiliate the pastor and so forth. And the pastor did something quite amazing. There was a young woman there in the congregation named Fatinia Papaloskalos. Papaloskalos. Does that sound Greek to you? It is Greek. She's, she was the daughter of a Greek man who had married a lady there in the Congo. Uh, and as, as strange as it seems um, in this story, the pastor asked her to pray. And this is what she prayed. Lord, we ask you to help us in our hour of great need. You know that Congo is in need of you at this time. You know that we have evil men who have come into our area recently. Many of them are thieves and murderers. They beat and kill our people for no reason. Lord, judge these evil men. Bring your wrath down on these terrible men. Put the fear of God into them. Save us from these people. And bring us peace and freedom once more, we pray. In Jesus' name. <laughs> she sat down. The congregation looked at her in awe. And the symbians, or the Simbas, however you want to say it, they, they looked on her and remained silent. Preacher preached his sermon, gave the benediction, and those guys left quietly. It was a gutsy prayer. But Fatinia knew the Bible. She knew that for God's kingdom to come, that God's enemies would have to, to be vanquished. She knew the book of Revelation. And so in the midst of your personal suffering... And the suffering around you in the world. How do you know God's peace and joy? Well, you don't need to get a master's degree in happiness studies. You need to look back on what God has done. Look back. Thank Him specifically for specific answers to specific prayers. And the greatest prayer that you have ever prayed is, Lord, forgive me. And the cross is the great answer to that prayer of forgiveness. And you also look ahead 
to the time when Jesus will come again to restore the world and the world will be filled with righteousness and peace and joy forever and ever. Come to this table, look back at forgiveness and look forward to the coming of the King. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for this table. Thank you that you are with us and that you will work in our hearts through this time, through this sacrament. And we, although we don't understand everything about the Lord's Supper, we do know that you bless us through it. And we thank you for the privilege of taking it. Meet with us, encourage us, strengthen us, comfort us. We pray this in your name. Amen. While they were still eating, Jesus took the bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them saying, Drink from it all of you. This is the blood of the covenant. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until now, from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Psalm 21 begins with the strength of the Lord and it ends with the strength of the Lord. And that's what this table is about. This world of, of, this hard world we live in. We need the Lord's strength. We need Yahweh's strength. We need His presence. And that's what happens as we take the supper as the body of Christ. And we remember specifically what he's done in the past, specifically the cross, how he's lived in our place and died for our sins on the cross, and how, as Jesus says, one day we will all sit down with him in glorious bodies like the body of Christ, with hearts that never sin again, and we will eat this meal with him. He will serve us again. That's the great hope of the gospel. The glorious age to come when there will be no more tears, no more sadness. We look forward to what's possible, what is going to happen because of the cross. We look back at forgiveness. We look forward to the glorious age to come. That's what we're doing as we take the supper. And if you know Christ, 
You will receive strength as you remember and as you look forward. That's this remembering the gospel, the good news of the scripture. If you know the Lord, think on these things as you participate uh, in this supper together. Come feed on him in your hearts by faith. That means remembering and looking forward to the future. betrayed our Lord Jesus blesses the Father and gives thanks I'm sure he remembered lots of what he had to be thankful for but he also thanked him that God would raise him from the dead he knew what was coming but he knew Jesus he knew God the Father would raise him and that he would set him on the throne of his father David and he would rule over his people forever and ever Jesus was a person who knew how to specifically give thanks to God for his blessings but he blesses the Father and gives thanks he says this is my body Given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. In the same way, after the supper, he takes the cup. He says, this cup is the new covenant, the cup of the new covenant in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins for the many. Drink ye all of it. Lord Jesus, thank you again for giving us this table, this meal. Thank you for allowing us to worship you today, bringing us here and moving in our hearts through your word. Thank you that you've allowed us to sing praises to you. May we be thankful people and people of gratitude um, for all you do for us. We pray this in your name. Amen.